Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 33, uh, recorded on September 25th, 2022. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice. So as always, please do your own homework. I took a break last week. Um, went to New York City to help my daughter move into her new place. Did a little sightseeing. Um, it was really quite enjoyable, um, but uh, a little too busy to uh, do the podcast and the um, vlog last week. So we'll be doing some catch up this week. Um, we'll do a market update, look ahead, uh, lots of Bitcoin news to go over. Uh, and, uh, then, uh, it's time for the monthly portfolio review. So without further ado, we'll, uh, jump right in. Uh, first with the market update, investors fled for the exits on Friday, driving a sell-off of both stocks and bonds to cap a brutal week as the market has transitioned quickly from worrying about stubbornly high inflation to a sense of rising alarm over the Federal Reserve's aggressive tightening campaign. The Dow Jones average plunged 486 points Friday to finish at 29,590, but bounced off peak losses of more than 800 points, while the S&P 500 fell 1.7% to end at 36.93 after both benchmarks dipped below their year-to-date closing lows set on June 16th. U.S. Treasury yields soared this week to levels not seen in more than a decade following the the Fed's moves, with the two-year yield jumping to as high as 4.26% and the 10-year yield hitting 3.82%. The three major stock market averages posted their fifth negative week in the last six, with the Dow surrendering 4%, the S&P sliding 4.6%, and the NASDAQ falling more than 5%. Looking ahead, investors could get another reality check with major averages having fallen in five of the last six weeks, with the Federal Reserve maintaining a hawkish position on interest rates and recession fears cropping up again. Soaring bond yields and a strong U.S. dollar have reset valuations and earnings expectations on nearly every sector. The week ahead, we'll see a flurry of economic releases, including the latest updates on durable orders consumer confidence, new home sales, GDP and PCE prices on the corporate calendar. Twitter will depose Elon Musk. Intel will hold a key innovation event. Amazon will showcase new products and Tesla will hold its highly anticipated AI day in Palo Alto, California. So we'll talk a little bit more about the market disarray uh, uh, later in the portfolio review. Moving on to Bitcoin news, I found this uh, interesting uh, opinion piece in Cointelegraph written by a guy named Guy Gottslack. Um, it was just posted recently. Um, and uh, I think it's a nice take on uh, the cryptocurrency regulation framework that came out recently. As you might remember, the president... Uh, asked all the uh, government agencies through an executive order several months ago to put together a framework. And so they 
reported back and um, of course it uh, wasn't what the uh, Bitcoin community certainly wanted to see. There was a lot of uh, drama on Twitter about it when it came out. Uh, I think it was last week, uh, no, the week before, I think uh, end of the week before. Uh, so here we go. The long-awaited cryptocurrency regulation framework released by President Joe Biden's Treasury Department this month attempted to outline a plan for managing the burgeoning crypto industry. Unfortunately, in this author's opinion, the department's assessment failed to embody more substance than a mere mission statement. While Biden's administration appears to be taking a whole-of-government approach, quote, toward overseeing the decentralized finance sector and its ripple effects on the traditional economy, they are focused predominantly on defending against negative events, such as financial crime and failing to facilitate positive events, such as the wealth building opportunities that crypto offers to Americans excluded from the traditional big banking system. And I would have to agree with that comment. The new framework was a follow-up to Biden's executive order in March titled Ensuring Responsible Development of Digital Assets. Officials focused predominantly on prosecuting money launderers and Ponzi schemers across jurisdictions. That may come as no surprise, considered it was, considering it was developed as crypto dominoes fell over the summer months. Those included the collapse of Terraform Labs, which led to an Interpol arrest warrant for its founder, Do Kwan, the Celsius Network bankruptcy and the collapse of crypto prices. Nonetheless, these events served the healthy purpose of shaking out bad actors who were in crypto for criminal or self-interest purposes, an effective set of laws related to crypto that prevent illicit activity and promote peer-to-peer financial transactions would work wonders for crypto's public image. The Biden framework, which is more reactive than proactive, doesn't achieve that. As a nation, we don't agree on much these days. We mostly want the United States to remain a global economic superpower, but we differ on how to do it. Stable coins and other cryptocurrencies dismantle the power of federal currencies and allow individuals to accrue wealth independently, which is exactly why the federal government doesn't like them. And I would have to agree with that comment. The Biden framework literature suggests Digital currency is key to securing America's future as an economic leader, but if it grants power over crypto to the same authorities who wield power over traditional finance, the status quo isn't going to change. Instead of establishing the U.S. dollar's digital twin, the government would be better off finding a way to coexist with alternative community currencies. And again, I would have to agree with that as well. Uh, Then he posted a tweet from Scott Melker, uh, I follow the Wolf of All Streets. The White House's proposed framework is a effing disgrace, clear attack on proof of work by implying they will set environmental standards for mining, pushing Fed now over crypto, framing everything as a potential scam or threat, harping on volatility and consumer risk. Uh, Moving on here, it's time to move beyond the enforcement of existing regulations and to institute new programs that integrate blockchain technology into areas most in need of disruption, such as healthcare and big business, even if we can't quite agree on how to address currencies. 
For example, keeping medical records on a blockchain like Estonia's highly advanced e-healthcare system already does would streamline and secure each person's health data from birth through death with each doctor or pharmacist along the way accessing an accurate history to make the best decision. Collecting anonymized, uncorrupted medical data is going to lead to better research, better treatments, and more cost-effective healthcare. Similarly, putting property and business records on a blockchain would lead to more accountability for big opaque corporations that make bold claims of charity and sustainability. Such transparency would allow consumers to make more informed decisions about who they buy from and bank with. The federal government should also nurture blockchain technology by investing in large-scale blockchain projects and incentivizing companies that use it better to better serve the public. Going forward, let's hope both the federal and state governments will cooperate to write real crypto industry legislation, not just to mitigate its damage, but to foster its potential. Cryptocurrencies and other digital assets have the capacity to bring wealth building opportunities to huge swaths of unbanked Americans, break up monopolies and hold wealthy Goliaths accountable for their business dealings to a greater degree never seen before. The Biden framework is a lukewarm beginning, but we have a long way to go. On it says here, Guy Gottslock is the president and founder of the crypto IRA platform, My Digital Money. He holds a degree in consumer computer science and engineering from UCLA and an MBA from Northwestern University. And I don't know about all the other applications for blockchain. All I do know is that Bitcoin is, uh, is, the best application for money and it is highly disruptive and um, to the existing uh, way that uh, money is handled and so um, you know it's predictable that you would get this type of response uh, from the government and uh, we'll have a couple more uh, articles here talking about um, different reactions um, but I I uh, I agree. I think the um, the framework is is really uh, was poorly done, and um, you know it uh, brought up a lot of the sim- same you know um, uh, issues, and you know in terms of uh, oh it's too volatile, oh it's too risky for consumers, uh, everything's a scam, um, you know, and uh, uh, you know. All you have to do is look at the stock market and uh, SPACs and um, meme stocks, and um, you know there 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 are plenty of other scams in in uh, traditional finance, uh, and yet traditional finance continues to motor on. So, moving on. Uh, so this one here is from. Uh, Bitcoin.com news uh, posted three days ago. JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon tells Congress crypto tokens are like like Bitcoin are decentralized Ponzi schemes. Jamie Dimon, the CEO of JP Morgan Chase and Company, shared his view about cryptocurrencies, naming Bitcoin in particular in a congressional hearing Wednesday, responding to a question by Representative Josh Gottheimer. Uh, from New Jersey, Democrat, about the rapid development of digital assets. Diamond emphasized the importance of separating cryptocurrencies from other innovations that he said are, quote, real, like blockchain, decentralized finance, and, quote, tokens that do something. 
the executive opined, I'm a major skeptic on crypto tokens, which you call currency like Bitcoin. They are decentralized Ponzi schemes. And the notion that it's good for anybody is unbelievable, he continued. The JP Morgan boss proceeded to reference that billions of dollars are lost each year through crypto, linking cryptocurrencies to crimes such as ransomware payments, money laundering, sex trafficking, and theft. He emphasized that crypto is, quote, dangerous. The JP Morgan executive also talked about stable coins, which he said would not be problematic with proper regulation. There'd be nothing wrong with a stable coin, which is like a money market fund properly regulated, Diamond stated regarding blockchain. He affirmed that JP Morgan is a big user of blockchain. A longtime Bitcoin skeptic, Diamond has warned investors on several occasions to be careful about investing in cryptocurrencies, cautioning that they have no intrinsic value. He previously said Bitcoin is worthless and questioned Bitcoin's limited supply. The JP Morgan chief, however, has repeatedly said that blockchain and DeFi are real. In May, the Global Investment Bank said it expected expects increased blockchain use and finance. Meanwhile, JP Morgan is offering some crypto-related investments, has its own JPM coin, and has a lounge in the metaverse. JP Morgan's analysts are also more bullish about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency than the bank CEO. In May, analyst Nicolas Panigritzkalu published a report stating that the bank has replaced real estate with digital assets as our preferred alternative asset class along with hedge funds. Yeah, that, that's actually kind of interesting. Diamond also recently shared his predictions about where the U.S. economy is headed. In August, he warned that something worse than a recession is coming. In June, he cautioned about an economic hurricane, advising individuals and businesses to brace for impact. So the reaction to this on uh, Bitcoin Twitter was, uh, uh, you know, old man yells at cloud, which is the meme from the, the Simpsons. Um and uh, I don't think it's lack of understanding. I think what it is, is an, an uh, you know, again, why even talk about it? Um, <clears throat> and I think it's because uh, Bitcoin is, is really a threat. It's a dis disruptive technology threat to uh, basically traditional finance, banking, um, even central banking. And that's why it's it's being talked about, you know, uh, more and more. And, uh, you know, again, you kind of go back to uh, what I always like to um, highlight, <clears throat> which are the, uh, um, you know, the, the key fundamentals of Bitcoin, um, which is it's absolutely scarce. It's only 21 million maximum coins. Transfers are peer-to-peer -peer without an intermediary, so you can send value to anyone anywhere in the world with a computer and internet connection. The Bitcoin network operates independently of all legacy financial systems. It's the first digital global payments infrastructure. No counterparty risk when you self-custody it. It's trustless. Bitcoin is not controlled by any person or group. It's a hedge against fiat currency debasement and collapse in the same way that gold is, but doesn't have gold's drawbacks to difficulty to validate, store, transfer, and secure, especially in large amounts. So when you think about all that, and then you think about the uh, White House framework, you think about JP Morgan's you know, comments, and you put all that into context, it's fear, it's disruption, 
and um, it's it's a better technology. And it it really other than you know can you control it? Well, you can control the on ramps and the off ramps to the Bitcoin network if you're trying to exchange Bitcoin into you know a currency or something like that. And those can certainly be regulated, and they certainly are. I mean, if you buy Bitcoin on an exchange, you have to provide KYC to the exchange. They know you bought that Bitcoin. Um, so, and which is fine. You know, I I don't mind. I mean, if I sell Bitcoin for a profit, which I won't do and haven't and probably never will, but if I do, I'll pay the tax on it. You know, I have no problem with that. Um, but anyway, uh, so I think uh, these are just reactions to something that's, you know, truly a very disruptive technology and and there's fear and uh and there should be because um you know this is really i think uh going to change how 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 people operate in the future and whether it's five years from now ten years from now i don't know but i do think that the bitcoin is a superior uh system and i think we're we're starting to see the um problems with our current system, our current fiat currency system um, translated in the markets. And again, I'll talk more about that as we get into the portfolio review. Moving on, uh, next article here. This is from uh, Cointelegraph. It's posted here within the last eight hours. California Governor Newsom vetoes crypto licensing and regulatory framework. Um, adding to the existing regulatory hurdles for the crypto ecosystems, California Governor Gavin Newsom refer- refused to sign a bill that would establish a licensing and regulatory framework for digital assets. Uh, Assembly Bill 2269 sought to allow the issuance of operational licenses for crypto companies in California. On September 1st, California State Assembly passed the bill with no opposition from the Assembly floor and went on to the governor's office for approval. Opposing the notion, uh, Newsom recommended a, quote, more flexible approach that would evolve over time while considering the safety of consumers and related costs, adding, uh, quote, it is premature to lock a licensing structure and statute without considering both this work in-house efforts to create a transparent regulatory environment and forthcoming federal actions. Hmm. The governor stated that the bill in its current form would require loaning tens of millions of dollars from the state's general fund. Such a significant commitment of general fund resources should be considered and accounted for in the annual budget process. Hmm. Didn't seem to have too much trouble spending that money, giving everybody a rebate to help them pay their gas bill. So I guess that's not a good use of money. Newsom highlighted that he waits he waits for federal regulations to come into sharper focus for digital financial assets before working with the legislature to establish crypto licensing initiatives. <clears throat> the Office of Science and Technology Policy submitted an analysis to the White House regarding the design choices for 18 central bank digital currency systems for the United States. The technical evaluation of a U.S. CBDC system highlighted OSTP's inclination towards building an off-ledger hardware-protected system while considering the various trade-offs inherited by each design choice. And that's an interesting one because um, 
uh, in the uh, op-ed piece um, that I read earlier, uh, he really didn't talk about the the uh, focus on a central bank digital currency uh, because <clears throat> in the in the White House uh, framework, while they did a great job of bashing Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies in general over you know criminal fraud, uh, consumer protection, uh, the one thing they did do. And George Gammon actually talked about this in, in one of his podcasts last week. Uh, is they really, really highlighted the, the benefits of of, uh, of a um, central bank digital currency and how great it would be because it could, you know, help the unbanked and and it could it could uh, you know increase uh, the ability to get money to people uh, when they need it. Um, but the flip side of a central bank digital currency is is uh, you know, that would be a, a, a an account with the central bank. So, uh, first of all, their balance sheet's unlimited, so they can you know they can print unlimited amounts of money. Like for example, if they wanted to give you a hundred dollars stimulus payment or whatever, they could do that, and they could just make it out of thin air. And not only that, but what a lot of uh, folks are concerned about is that if you're using a central bank digital currency. Um, the government knows exactly what you're buying. In fact, because it's programmable, they could, you know, say, uh, okay, disable that. So you can't buy, you bought too much meat this week, or you're, you know, you can't buy guns. So we're going to disable the guns code. And so you can't use your central bank digital wallet at, at a gun store or whatever. So there, there are just a lot of concerns about that level of control, uh, which is, is it's already in like China's already got a central bank digital currency and that has many of the same uh, features and um, they can even put expiration dates on the money. Like if if you get your money, uh, you know, and you don't spend it within a certain period of time, it'll just disappear. Um, and, and actually if you have a central bank digital wallet and that's where your paycheck goes in and that's how you pay everything, you don't even need to file a tax return. They'll just go in and just take it, take it right out of there. So um, I would pay attention to the central bank digital currency discussion, conversation, and um, just be aware uh, that this is, you know, really going down an authoritarian path. And once you go down that path, it's, it's really hard to, uh, to come off of it. And, and certainly, you know, I don't think we're going to have a say in what the, you know, central bank can and can't do with that wallet although they'll they'll probably say that it's uh you know they'll tout the benefits and uh, not talk about the downsides so okay moving on uh this here is from bitcoin.com news um it was updated i think yesterday Robert Kiyosaki says, end of fake money is here, shares three lessons to help investors amid market crashes. I always like hearing what Robert has to say. The author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, shared some of his views and investment lessons in a couple of tweets this week. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a 1997 book co-authored by Kiyosaki and Sharon Lecter. has been on the New York Times bestseller list for over six years. More than 32 million copies of the book uh, have been sold in over 51 languages across more than 109 countries. 
Kiyosaki tweeted on Tuesday explaining why he thinks the end of fake money has arrived. The famous author wrote, end is here. Called Jerry Williams, my trusted gold and silver dealer. He said, I can't get gold and silver coins. The mint will not sell me anymore. To me, this means the end of fake money is here. He proceeded to reiterate his silver recommendation. As stated in an earlier tweet, silver is going to 100 to $500. Get some. Protect yourself, he wrote. His advice followed another statement he made recently that gold is expensive, calling silver the best investment value today. Kiyosaki previously explained that when, the president, when President Richard Nixon removed the U.S. dollar from the gold standard in 1971, the U.S. dollar became fake money. He clarified that this is because rather than being tied to real money, such as gold, it was tied to the full faith and credit of the United States. In a tweet on Thursday, the renowned author reminded investors of some lessons. In Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I stated Rich Dad's three lessons. He described elaborating, one, your house is not an asset, two, savers are losers, three, the rich do not work for money. The rich are entrepreneurs who do not need a job, he added, noting that these people create jobs, create their own assets, and do well in market crashes. He then emphasized that 2022 is your time to get richer. Last week, Kiyosaki urged people to invest in real money, naming gold, silver, and Bitcoin. He stressed that the Federal Reserve raising interest rates will destroy the U.S. economy. Kiyosaki has repeatedly warned that the biggest crash in world history is coming. In April, he said, all markets are crashing. <clears throat> he recently urged his mailing list subscribers to buy cryptocurrency now ahead of the biggest crash in world history. The famous author has stated for several months that he is waiting for the price of the cryptocurrency to bottom out before getting in. He recently said he was in a cash position ready to buy Bitcoin, suggesting at one point that the price of the crypto could test $1,100. Well, if it did that, I'd be buying, I'd certainly be buying more, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> Actually, some of the folks that I've been following, you know, said, yeah, it might go down to 17,000 or 15,000, but, you know, uh, and there's even people that joke about, well, if it goes to zero, well, if it, if it goes to zero, somebody's going to buy all of it. So anyway, uh, so interesting take uh, by Robert. I totally agree. I, I really think uh, it's important to own hard assets um, in this environment. And, um, um, and anyway, um, we'll talk more about that in the, uh, portfolio review. So, <clears throat> and then I just wanted to comment, uh, quickly, I'm kind of excited about this. I signed up, I'm going to, I'm going to be in attendance. Um, but, uh, in, uh, on November 10th and 11th in Los Angeles, they're going to be having a Pacific Bitcoin, um, conference. Uh, it's, uh, going to be pretty incredible they have the keynote speaker is going to be michael saylor which a lot of people in um, the bitcoin space uh, always want to hear from uh <clears throat> here are some of the other speakers um lynn alden she's fantastic investment strategist Corey clipston i follow him a lot he's the founder and ceo of swan bitcoin jeff booth who wrote the price of tomorrow uh, also great um Listen to a lot of podcasts with him. Dylan LeClaire, someone else I follow. He's a senior market an analyst at UTXO Management. Uh, Robert Breedlove, love his podcast. He's founder and CEO of Parallax Digital. He's also speaking. Uh, Pierre Rochard, who's the VP of research at Riot Blockchain. 
Um, who else is speaking? Eric Kassan, crypto anarchist and cypherpunk. Uh, I always enjoy listening to podcasts with him. Mark Moss, also have listened to him several times. He's a Bitcoin macro educator. Alex Gladstein, who's the chief strategy officer, Human Rights Foundation. He's, he's, he's terrific. Uh, Preston Pish, uh, co-founder of the Investors Podcast, also um, uh, excellent. Uh, Jeff Ross, uh, Vailshire Capital Management LLC, uh, great speaker. Um, who else is on here? Gosh, it's just, there's so many speakers. It's uh, Oh, and then on the last but not least, Greg Foss, uh, who's an executive and shareholder of Validus Power. He's a, you know, all of these folks are just really, really great Bitcoiners. And so looking forward to hearing the, the speeches and, um, you know, learning some more and hopefully networking with others in the community. So um, check it out if you're interested. Okay, uh, moving on into the monthly portfolio review. So what a difference a month makes. Uh, the summer rally is now definitely over and the stock market is once again touching the June lows and may head lower, continuing the bear market that started earlier this year. Federal Reserve continues to be very hawkish in their uh, speeches um, and in their statement this week. So they raised interest rates another 0.75% this week and signaled that they will not stop until inflation is close to their target of 2%, which seems like a long ways away given inflation is still above 8% as of the most recent CPI report. Markets have been selling off as a result. So uh, over the past month, um, just you know, from looking at today, you know, back 30 days, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 9.94%. The S&P is down 10.68%. And the NASDAQ is down 12.27%. And Bitcoin's down 10.74%. I did note that my portfolio is only down about 5%. Um, so I'm pretty happy about that although I would like to see it not be negative. <clears throat> I'm seeing some disturbing signals in the market, uh, mostly that everything is selling off, including stocks, bonds, gold, Bitcoin, real estate, everything. And as I've written about before, I think our money is broken and our over-leveraged financial system may be getting close to the end of its run. I'm not predicting that, you know, it's going to collapse, uh, you know, it may go another 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, who knows, you know, or five, 10, I don't know. But I think global central banks, because um, now the Fed started raising rates, all of the central banks around the world are raising rates and they're playing a game of chicken. So they're raising rates to contain inflation, but then they're collapsing asset markets in the process. And then that has a domino effect of, on, on collapsing economies, of course. So they're, I think they're heading down an almost certain path of very serious economic recession or even depression, and, and this is global. So when the central banks pivot again, as they will have to, in order to, quote, save the economy, I think the next bubble will be even bigger than the last one. And of course, bigger bubble, bigger crash. I watched the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield closely and it has broken out significantly to the upside recently. Um, prices move in the opposite direction to yield, which means prices are falling, meaning a lot of selling. 
So rates on the 10 year uh, are the highest level in 10 years. Um, <clears throat> I had a few interesting tweets that I picked up this week. Uh, one's from Luke Groman, who says the first bursting global sovereign debt bubble in 100 years is accelerating. The outcome below is still inconceivable to most market participants. A few more weeks like the last few, and it will go from inconceivable to inevitable to imminent shockingly fast. Let's watch. <clears throat> uh, this one from James Lavish about that risk-free rate. The CDS market, that's the credit default swap market, is telling us that the U.S. is more likely to default than Germany, Sweden, and yes, even Japan. Happy Friday. <laughs> and then lastly, uh, Safety in a Moose says, as the Fed raises rates to fight the inflation it caused, it now enters the wily e. coyote hanging in the air, hoping he won't fall into recession stage of the business cycle. Rothbard, Rothbard explains more elaborately in this great essay. And <clears throat> there's a link <clears throat> in the uh, tweet. And uh, I'll probably, I'll post a link in the show notes, but uh, you can also get the link through my blog post as well, which I'll also put in the show notes. The Rothbard essay link in the last tweet is a fairly quick read, and it's an excellent explainer of what is happening today with inflation and interest rates from an Austrian economics perspective, and I'd highly recommend it. Um, my conviction about Bitcoin is insurance against a collapsing monetary system continues to grow. I made some defensive moves this month, moving quite a bit into cash for the time being and continuing to accumulate Bitcoin. When all this bear market action settles down, and we find a bottom, I think there'll be some excellent opportunities to invest across the board. Uh, but here's the portfolio breakdown for the month. And cash, 42.6%. Stocks, no position. Commodities, no position. Bonds, no position. Real estate, 11.4%, which is all uh, actively managed fund in the 401k. Um, I sold my investment property this month to diversify to other opportunities, but I'm just holding on to cash for right now. Um, and if you're interested in how I got started in real estate investing, uh, I do have a book and there's, uh, links in the, in the, um, show notes. Private equity is at 19.3%. So that's numerous small seed invest, angel list and Republic investments and a few direct investments in startups. Um, I try to invest small amounts across a large number of companies following disruptive themes like. Uh, artificial intelligence, genomics, prop tech, fintech, blockchain, energy, cybersecurity, esports, cannabis, etc. I didn't add any new positions this month, so I've just been kind of holding tight with what I have. Um, but if you're interested in learning more about startup investing, I do have a link in the uh, blog post to a prior blog post I did uh, with some ideas on that. Uh, Bitcoin is currently at 14.5% of the portfolio. It's a mix of direct Bitcoin ownership, self-custody, and cold storage, and also including a Bitcoin IRA and an unchained IRA, and a small amount of uh, grayscale Bitcoin trust. I'm currently rolling over my Bitcoin IRA to unchained as I like their product better since the fees are lower and you can hold your own private keys um, in a multi-sig setup. I'm dollar cost averaging every two weeks for my paycheck directly into Bitcoin and my Stripe account uh, at zero fees. And then I just move it to cold storage uh, monthly. Bitcoin is the hardest money we've ever seen. It's insurance against sovereign credit defaults. And I'm always looking to buy at attractive entry points to add to my position. 
in addition to dollar cost averaging. <clears throat> and then gold, silver, and other alternatives is 9.9%. I've got gold and silver physical coins all locked up. Uh, and then I also have a Masterworks account to invest in fractional interest in fine art. Uh, if you're interested in that, I have a link in the blog post to a uh, review I did of Masterworks a while back. So I continue to favor a higher weighting of cash for the time being. I also think it makes sense to continue to accumulate Bitcoin at the current levels. It's been bouncing around 18,000, 20,000, um, either dollar cost averaging or making spot buys on dips. Um, I also think gold and silver are very attractive uh, levels currently and are worth watching and perhaps also accumulating. I was looking at the one-year gold chart and it's uh, it's pretty ugly. It's, it's definitely, um, you know, definitely hitting uh, 12-month lows here. Um, and it just seems like uh, the upside potential is uh, pretty tremendous when you consider that uh, the printing presses are going to have to switch back on here pretty soon and um, currency devaluation is going to, it's a thing and it's going to continue if you, if they want to keep the system going, which I think they do. Okay. So, um, that pretty much wraps it up. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Also don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. So you don't miss an episode. You can also follow my Substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Nick Reichert. I will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.